Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The Tannoy said, this is an electrical problem. We'll get back to normal as soon as possible. They delayed telling anything to anybody. What you thought was a window from, from the deck looking out became your ceiling. And I prayed to my late wife to help. You are listening to Proverbs with Daisy Maskell. It is me, Daisy. Welcome. This is a podcast all about extraordinary people and extraordinary stories. Here we will shine the spotlight on their journeys and hopefully learn something about ourselves and the way that we live our lives from their experiences too. Join me as we get to know our guest. In 2012, a tragedy hit headlines worldwide. A luxury cruise liner, the Costa Concordia, had capsized off the coast of Tuscany, killing 33 passengers on board. The investigation that followed exposed the gross negligence of the captain, which resulted in him being convicted and sentenced to prison. Ian Donoff was a passenger on board with his wife. He is here to share first-hand details of what happened in the dead of night when the disaster occurred. So set the scene for us, Ian. What did you have planned for your trip? We'd only done four days of what was a honeymoon. Effectively, four days before exactly, my wife and I got married. I married some years after my late wife died. And um, we were looking forward from Barcelona, having the trip round the Met. We uh, had about, as I said, four days out of our planned 11 days in total or whatever it was. And um, just outside Rome, when they took off on January the 13th, 2012, they experienced problems in the evening. There were no problems during the day. We had um, organized um, our meals in a very exclusive restaurant, as in fact, next to the captain. And um, although we didn't converse with him at all, but, um, you know, we saw his uh, play girl that he... uh, was uh, uh, dining with and we decided that after we'd eaten we'd join the magic show every night they perform on the costa concordia uh, which is the flagship ship of the costa line they have uh, some sort of show that evening on the friday night 
it was a magic show. Now, we didn't know what was happening, except we saw the lights flash on and off, whatever it was. Undeterred, we went in at the back. Some people were deterred, and they left the show. But it's uh, quite a substantial theatre they had there. And there was a magic act. I recall the magic act. He made people disappear. How he made the audience disappear, I don't know. But I think that being at an angle, because the ship started to go down, was, in fact, quickest disappearance I've ever seen. His, his line of sight from the stage was the massive dining hall with um, its mezzanine and goodness knows what. And he could see plates falling off the balconies that people had laid on the table. Plates of food, plates that weren't empty, whatever it might be. And this was something that he realized something was wrong. He had, um, I think to his left, our right side, um, a booth where people went, uh, a person went in to disappear. Well, everybody disappeared. Um, we thought, well, that's fine. If they've all disappeared, we'll go further down. It's only a problem because the tannoy said, this is an electrical problem. We'll get back to normal as soon as possible. They delayed telling anything to anybody. I think after he left the stage, we decided to saunter back to our rooms, which had a balcony. And I opened the door and had a look over the balcony. And I could see a big gash on the side of the ship. I said, this is it. This is it. So my wife said, take your passport, take your wallet and get ready to go. Put a coat on because we might be outside. We'll be called with our life jackets, which they had stacked in the bathroom. We were called some time later, three quarters of an hour later, to go down to the muster stations. This is a short video which appeared in all the rooms when you first arrived, uh, what to do in case of emergency. And it was a case of emergency, but they didn't call it for three quarters of an hour when they realized it was hopeless task what they had because all the lights and all the batteries that they might have had went out. There was just one battery light that was on in each room. And um, she said, but you're a diabetic which I was, and I had to pack my insulin and tablets, pack those, just in case we're, I don't know what. So armed with that, I, we went out gingerly and saw a whole host of people going down the stairs to preempt this muster station uh, concept. So here we are going down from the 11th floor to the fifth floor by the stairs because the lifts weren't in use. And we were standing, not actually going on the lifeboats. We were a part of the lifeboats. We were on the side that was up out of the water. So you can imagine the lifeboat had only had a short time in which to go, but the, but the boat was lurching more and more. In fact, it became about 70 degrees from the norm. 70 degrees means that what you thought was a window from, from the deck looking out became your ceiling. And virtually at 70 degrees, the floor is no more. So gingerly we waited and we were put on, in fact, I made sure that we were put on a lifeboat, but the lifeboat wouldn't go down. 
Unlike American regulations, it seems there's no guidance, there's no guideline for them to go. They just stuck on the side. So back up again, and we were flung virtually off the lifeboat onto what was the window to the dining room with people walking over you and goodness knows what. And I remember turning to my wife and said, we've had four days together, but it's not a lifetime. You know, that I don't think we're going to make it. And it's, it's incredible feeling that you have when you know it's not in your hands. Things are not in your hands. And I prayed, she prayed. We all pray, however agnostic we feel. We all pray to God to help us. And I prayed to my late wife to help. And for some reason, there was somebody who was Italian from the Costa. He was a, a, a steward and he was running through as well as he could to get to the, to, the, to the back. He said, go to the back, go to the back of the boat. It seems there was a rope ladder placed through a hatch. Now we had to get to the outside of the boat, 11 stories up we were from the bottom of the boat still. And we had to get up that to go out onto the deck. It's not a deck, it's the, the side of the boat. We saw below like a, a, a child's playpen floating up and down, which you had to drop into. This is from a rope ladder. Now it's amazing, those that were more elderly than me and um, people who had sticks and goodness knows what, how they got down that. But there was a very concerted climb down that rope ladder on the, your buttocks to try and then twist at the last minute to your handing, you're falling down into the hands of um, a, uh, a lifeboatman. But uh, that was, uh, you, the queue was unbelievable. It is, was calculated by somebody that we were within the hundredth going off, but I think more towards 40 people were left to go down this rope ladder. We went down this rope ladder to drop unceremoniously onto this thing and then went on to the lifeboat. And it, all the time, your heart is in your mouth. You know, one slip on that ladder would have hurtled you 11 stories or more into the sea. And I don't think you stood a chance. Already we were hearing that, that people had broken their legs and some people were, went to their rooms to sleep and the rooms were flooded. I recall the fact my new wife had a problem climbing up this ladder. I pushed her up this ladder. There was a scramble to get on this ladder. She went without her shoes in the end, but because the shoes were knocked off. But, you know, women and children first in times of emergency doesn't carry any weight. Pregnant women, yes, were allowed to go to the front. But there we are in this terrible atmosphere where we're each praying. I mean, I spoke to somebody while I was waiting to get on the ladder. This is on the side of the boat at the 70 degree angle. It was something unbelievable, something unbelievable. But he said that he hadn't seen his wife and family because he's working on the boats. He was uh, from India and he said he hadn't been for six months to see his wife and kids. And, you know, he was in, intrepid. He said, everybody is praying. 
no matter what denomination you are, you're praying. And it was just that feeling, just uh, incredible feelings, incredible feelings while we're going down alone and unsafe into the murky waters. We're taken by this lifeboat to the small island. This is the island the captain decided to go near, decided to switch off the sonars, decided everything so he could wave and show one of his friends how close he can go. And this risk caused one of the the pride of the fleet to go under. Incredible feeling, incredible feeling. Continuing the conversation on Proverbs after this short break. Now, if you know me, you will know I am not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. For me, the pressure of starting something new in January has seen me fail over and over again. What I like to do instead is I like to give myself a little bit of time to settle into the year so I can actually figure out what goals I actually want to achieve. Now, one of my biggest goals this year is to be able to confidently speak in a new language. And this is something that I have been trialing and failing at and also working at for a really, really long time. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think about what you're wanting to achieve. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? Now, if you are like me and one of your goals is to learn a new language, you absolutely need to get Babbel. And I'm so excited to chat to you about this. Now, in just a few weeks of using Babbel, I have progressed my language skills in ways that I have never done before. And I've been using Babbel's 10-minute lessons, which are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. What I love the most about Babbel is that it's designed by real people for real conversations. And I think this is something where I've gone wrong before. I have been learning French on and off since I was nine years old. That is over a decade and a half now. Yet I still didn't feel confident in my communication. I was learning through textbooks, but I was actually lacking that human connection in my vocabulary. Babbel's courses have helped me to learn real life conversation skills, to speak confidently and clearly in a way that locals will understand as Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent too. It's enabled me to be able to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants, all without ever having to consult my language app whilst on vacation. Now, studies from Yale, Michigan State University and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, I actually have a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, you can get up to 60% off of your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com forward slash proverbs. Now, you can get 60% off at babbel.com slash proverbs, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash proverbs. Rules and restrictions may apply. 33 people died. We were alive. Your negligence has murdered 33 people. It's not enough. 
I know there was so much that unfolded in in the aftermath of this, but for you as as a survivor, as someone that actually experienced this life-changing event, what was it like for you to navigate that? I think the main thing is that when I got to the island and the Italian authorities were far better organised than the British authorities, who had the army out, who had tents up, who gave their people blankets. Everything was orderly. I think that the main thing that my wife and I felt was that we were alive. 33 people died. We were alive. We didn't know 33 people were alive, were dead. But um, we had come through what was the worst and the biggest uh, sinking ship. This is, it emulates the problems they've had in the Titanic where they couldn't get more than 50% of the lifeboats down because of the angle. The same thing occurred. Uh, Regulations in America are far stricter. And and if the boat has been built in America, not Genoa, I believe, in Italy, um, the regulations are that lifeboats can go down even if it's of an angle. But it it was a feeling that we were alive. At least we were alive. I think from the island, it was about a 40-minute ferry ride to get to City Vecchia, which is the port of um, Rome. This 40 minutes, going back onto a boat again, a ferry, cram-packed with people, is also heart-wrenching. You don't want to do it. But we realised that was the only way of getting people to the mainland, where they could then get coaches organised and then to uh, safety, as it were. And you've touched on this a little bit. I would love to know, now that we've, you know, we understand more, it's gone gone through a fierce legal battle and we understand more about why this went wrong and the problems with the response from the crew and and the regulations that were put on place on board. What are your thoughts on the captain's response to this? Well, I'm not very good. I think he deserved everything he got. And uh, they came down pretty heavily with him. I think one of the things was that his, you know, he he had, let's call it an escort, who he had his, uh, she was a Moldovian dancer, who he uh, fated on on the trips. And when his wife must have heard about it, God knows what it was, he was at home for, well, he left at 1.30, just put it in perspective. He left, he got a, a lifeboat out at 1.30. We were still climbing down this rope ladder at 4.30 in the morning. So can you imagine the amount of hours we had to spend? Anyway, uh, so armed with, armed with that, I, I, I think that basically to go in, to switch off the sonars, there are 11 people. You keep quiet about it? You don't keep quiet about it. You say to I'm not doing that, what you're, you're saying. Whatever you've decided, we're not doing because you can't do. And because the sonars, which would have shown there was a problem with the route that he was taking, which was too close to the island, too close to rocks, um, it really is, it is his negligence. Full stop. He's completely, utterly negligent. Not only that, he didn't care about anybody who was on board. And he was looking after about four and a half thousand people, including his staff. I mean, his staff and um, passengers were grouped together, at least. So each were, you know, 
uh, had their own um, time. But he he was. Del- I don't know why the company didn't say they're abandoning ship straight away, which means the lifeboats can go ahead. And it's all because of his. I put it down to him completely. And therefore, what he got, which was was eight years, um, is not enough. Not if you're, I don't know, if if effectively your negligence has murdered 33 people, it's not enough. How has this event shaped your life, Ian? I mean, I I was fairly normal (laughs) afterwards. Um, Thank God I was alive. And I have given subsequent interviews uh, and raised a fair amount for charity since. I think that both my wife and I feel that we're alive, other people died. And put it like this, I haven't been on another cruise since. <laughs> so it's probably ruined my cruising days. I don't think they'd allow me on a boat. <laughs> Did you keep in touch with any of the other passengers on, on board? And do you have any sort of relationship with them? Or did you, I guess when you go through an, an event like this, it sort of bonds people together. Was there a sense of keeping in touch? And There was one couple who um, go abroad a lot, um, which we have kept in touch and have a look at their Facebook page every so often and make comments. But um, in terms of um, any litigation group or whatever, we never joined anybody. Consequently, we, you know, toughed it out ourselves. We initially asked the company who were going to supply us with um, some sort of psychiatric help or whatever. But um, that was, I think we knew more and we had gone more and we discussed together with each other the feelings that we had. And I think that um, it's quite true that before you actually have this event, well, when you when you have when you're in in the event and still in the middle of it, or it flashes through your past life. It's a recent past life, it could be, but it's it's a past. It's things that that are important. Needless to say, I wasn't tearful. I think my wife was a bit more tearful than I was afterwards after the event. But we weren't treated very well by the um, English authorities, even when we were in Italy. And um, it, if it wasn't for the Alitalia, the Italian airline, who says, you don't need tickets, just go, just just go back to London. And we, we boarded a plane, you know. Um, we'd still be waiting there. <laughs> if it well, thank you so much, Ian, for sharing your incredible story. Um, and it's so amazing that you know, through this, you've managed to raise money for charity to support those that have been deeply affected by this. We ask everyone at the end of every episode what they believe the meaning of life is for them or what gets them up and going every single day. And I would be so intrigued to know yours if you would share it with us. My complete and utter faith in God. I think that I've kept through the whole time in a very strict Orthodox Jewish way. Yeah. And that concludes this episode of Proverbs with Daisy Maskell. That is me. I hope you enjoyed it. Hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes and I will see you soon.